Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Elsie Flanard, who's listed as the mayor of Podcast Town. Mr. Mayor, great to have you on the program today. It's so, so, so exciting to be here with you, Paul. Absolutely. It's amazing. If I had a dollar for every time a guest said that, I probably wouldn't need to do these podcasts. So, Elsie, I would love if you could give our listeners a little bit about your background, because when people say podcast, they think of Elsie Flanard. And I know it didn't always start that way. You've got a rather interesting story about how you've become such an authority figure in the world of podcasting. Why don't you take us through your background a little bit, please? Well, without boring you guys with the gory, gory details, I grew up in a small, small town, Southern Illinois, went to school for electronics, did a two-year degree, then decided to go back to school. It was right around the time where 9-11 happened. And so went to school, got a bachelor's degree, got into engineering, electrical engineering, really fell in love with broadcasting, started a internet radio station way back in the day. And uh, ran across a podcast. I absolutely fell in love with it. And I started doing some research because I'm a planner, right? And I started to look into where the medium was, where it is, and where it was going. And decided that this is my bread and butter. This is what I want to do. And so I've been podcasting ever since. So you talked about how you fell in love with broadcasting. And then that kind of led to podcasts specifically. If I forced you to really kind of think about what did it. What specifically was it about broadcasting that made you go, hey, this is kind of sweet. I kind of like this. What was it specifically that really caught your attention, LZ? Well, two things that I'm always involved in, Paul, is me talking in a microphone. So whether that's singing, speaking, podcasting, I'm always talking and there's always a microphone in my face. And so, you know, I always have something to say. I have an opinion, right? Like everybody else. And so broadcast it gives you that opportunity to have a voice, to have something to say, to have an opinion. And so I've always been a fan of, you know, any outlets to, to get what I'm thinking out there and to help other people do the same. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, we're biased here at the Star Group because we've been partnered with you for Beyond the Known since its inception. You've done a, an incredible job for our organization. And I'd be remiss if I didn't at least say that. You talked about how you help businesses like us at the Star Group create our voice. What does that mean, and how have you been able to successfully do that over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think the thing that really does it for brands and businesses is, you know, it's one thing to have a written piece of content. It's another thing to have a video. But when your voice is literally in between somebody's head, in between their ears, there's a different resonance there. There's a different attachment to your brand. When you talk about giving a voice, when you talk about branding and you talk about building relationships, podcasting is an amazing medium to do all three. So would you say, generally speaking, podcasts are good platforms for businesses? And if so, why specifically would you say that? I think for sure. And I think specifically the biggest difference between a podcast and say a video is it's a passive medium. So I can, like for me, I listen to podcasts when I'm washing dishes or when I'm going for a run. I can't watch a video when I'm doing dishes or going for a run because that's not safe. So podcasting has an innate ability to sneak beyond people's inhibitions and kind of get beyond 
or behind their whatever they're focused on at the moment. And they actually retain the information that they're listening to. So I think for those reasons, you know, podcasting is extremely, extremely potent. I think the most amazing thing that you said in that statement was that you wash dishes. You're domesticated, man. I'm shocked. I am very domesticated. I bust suds. I do whatever my wife, uh, which I call my boss, whatever she tells me to do, I do, Paul. I have so much to learn from you. Anyway, that's fodder for another conversation. To be honest, it seems like anybody with vocal cords these days is starting a podcast. And that was some of the headwinds that we had here at the Star Group as an agency. If we're going to do this, how are we going to be different? In your opinion, knowing we're just speaking generally here, how do organizations go about differentiating their podcasts? Yeah, I think the one thing to remember is you don't have to do an interview podcast. It can be a fiction podcast. It can be a storytelling podcast. It can be a nonfiction podcast. It could be a number of different formats that automatically will help your show stand out from everyone else's. Or it could be a narrative podcast. But I would say the thing, if you're talking about an interview-based show, planning is important, being strategic about the number one, the guests that you have on and the, the questions that you ask, doing your homework, right? Making sure that the interview flows well and that it adds value to the listener. So that's a little bit more involved than just picking up a microphone and talking with, you know, stream of consciousness. So I think, again, planning, being prepared and executing on the interviews are going to automatically set you apart. Well, I'm glad that you said that because our producers, Rachel and Cheryl, are listening intently and to know that we can start now doing a Paul M. Newberger monologue podcast. That's pretty exciting. Thank you for that idea, LZ. We're going to have to circle back on that one. That's a good idea. Anyway, outside of Beyond the Known, obviously, and outside of what you've got going on at Podcast Town, taking into consideration all these things that you said about what makes a good podcast, can you give us an example of a podcast that you think does a lot of things right and why? Wow, you put me on the spot, Paul. It's what I do, man. I love business podcasts. So I would say Entrepreneurs on Fire, he does a few things well. Number one, his interviews are amazing. Number two, you can tell that he spends the time of beforehand and after helping promote the show, helping to, you know, asking the right questions and digging deep, those types of things. But one of the big things is consistency. He's been around forever and he's going to be around forever because he's consistent and his format has launched the careers of so many podcasters and myself included. So I think Eon Fire is one of my favorites for sure. Well, if it's good enough for Elsie, it's probably good enough for the rest of us. So certainly appreciate you putting that on our radar. What would you say, so if someone is thinking about starting their own show, where should they start? I mean, I, I think that's part of the issue that a lot of individuals and organizations face. I want to do it, but it seems daunting. It seems massive. It seems like this huge undertaking. Where would you recommend an entity start and why? Yeah, I think... All of those thoughts are correct. I mean, it's relatively easy to get started, but I think as a brand, you really have to be focused on this as an extension of your brand and making sure that it fits and that it adds, right? And it doesn't take away. I can't tell you how many podcasts I've listened to that are attached to brands. And I wonder, you know, did they spend any time on quality? Did they spend any time thinking about their guests or the questions? So I would say the first place I would start is I would get a coach, right? Because coaching, it does a couple of things. It holds you accountable and it helps you avoid the, the common mistakes, right? And it helps you save time 
and money by guiding you along the process. So I would say the number one thing I would do is I would hire a coach. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Podcast Town. But hire somebody who has been there, done that, and that can walk you through all of the steps to get started on the right foot. The second thing I would, would do is, to your earlier point, figure out what makes your show different. You know, whether it's the format or adding some quirkiness or whatever it is, or your approach, figure out what's going to make your show different and key in on that. Also, I would say on the back end, have a plan to promote the show. Have a plan to get the word out about the podcast because, you know, four years ago, it was okay to have a podcast and put it out there because it wasn't as popular as it is now. Now you have to be more strategic and you have to be more focused on, all right, the show is recorded. It sounds great. Now, how do we get the word out? So I would say those three things, focus on differentiation, be consistent, hire a coach, and really have a strategy and a plan on how to promote it. And as you said earlier, LZ, obviously when you're talking about hiring a coach, it doesn't have to be podcast town, but take it from me. It should be podcast town. They are phenomenal at what they do. You're in good hands with my friend LZ and podcast town. I think you alluded to some of these just a little while ago, but, but just to make sure that we're clear on these, you've been doing this for a while. You've helped a number of individuals and organizations launch podcasts, including us at the Star Group. What would you say are some of the common missteps you see, and how would you recommend we avoid those moving forward? Yeah, I would say, again, not focusing on quality, You know, thinking that the listener doesn't care about the fact that it sounds like you're in a tin can <laughs> or the fact that you're literally just rambling. I would say, again, focus on quality and really just rushing it. A lot of times people just put shows out just because everybody else is doing it, right? The fear of missing out. So I say just rushing into it, not focusing on quality and not being consistent because podcasting is, is easy, but it's a ton of work. You know, it's really easy once you get past the eight, nine, tenth episode to really start to feel like, oh my goodness, this is actually work. How do I, you know, how do we keep going? So I think just having a realistic expectation and having goals in mind before you start the show. Well, obviously you're a guy that's achieved a lot of things in your young life. You've accomplished a lot. You've got quite the brand recognition out there. You're on social media all the time. And it just seems like anybody I know, oh yeah, I know LZ too. It's just amazing how you've cast such a wide net. Can you talk a little bit about with respect to your background? Because I know that you've had a you spent some time as an electrical engineer as well as some time in electronics technology. How the heck did you go from that to this? A little bit of both. When I was in high school, I was going to and I was literally ready to join the army and do that that whole thing. And nothing is there is nothing wrong with the army. People that are listening, hear me. There's nothing wrong with joining the army. But for me, I was in the excuse me, sorry about this, a study hall with a group of kids. I was there to to tutor them. And I picked up an encyclopedia. And for those of you who are listening, an encyclopedia is a book that has information in it. Sort of like Google, but a book. I'm glad you clarified and that. So I picked up the letter E. <laughs> no problem. And I started summing through it and I got to e electronics. And by the end of that period, I decided I wanted to go into electronics. But I always knew from the time I was a little boy that I wanted to own a business. But I realized that if any self-respecting woman was going to marry me, I probably should have a job and a way to provide <laughs> for the family. And so my plan was to go into electronics, get a degree, 
and, you know, get a decent job until my business got to the point where it could replace my income. And I'm happy to report that the plan worked. It took a little bit longer than I anticipated, (laughs) but the plan worked. But to your question, everything that I've done, both academically and professionally, has led to the skill sets and the experiences that I have, and I draw from them, from them. Project management. As an engineer, your responsibility is to take a project from conception to reality. Same thing with a podcast. You're taking an idea, a thought, a concept, and you're seeing it through to conception. So some, a lot of the skills that I developed over the years um, in operations management, how do you manage people that don't report to you, right? So all of those things led me to where we are today. Let's talk a little bit about side gigs. I know you're no stranger to side gigs. You've had a few, a record label, a minor league basketball team. Do you think everybody, for the most part, if possible, should have a side gig and why? Wow, that is a loaded question. So I'll start with the side gig. So I have had a side gig since I can remember. And I'm no spring chicken, Paul. So I've always had that on the side. And so the music was just a natural extension of, of my passion. You know, I've been a singer-songwriter since, since I was a little boy. And so that was a natural extension once I got to college and you know, started to sort of be around other business owners and people who were in the arts. It just made sense. But the basketball team, again, when I was eight, nine years old, I would take the names of all the surrounding towns and I would put them on a list. I would give each city a team name. I would have players on each team and I would play. I had a little a basketball thing that on my door and I would play both teams, right? Because it was just me and I would have a score. I would have a regular season. I would have a playoff and everything. I would crown a champion the whole nine, you know, as, since a little boy. And I got the opportunity to own an, an ABA team. And I just couldn't pass it up. You know, I'm probably around 30. I think I was 28, 29 years old at the time. And the opportunity comes and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And so it was probably one of the most knowledge-filled growth opportunities I've ever had. I learned how to succeed and I learned how to fail. I learned how to, you know, I had people walk out on me. I had people, it was just a crazy crazy time and but it was such a rich opportunity to learn I learned so much about myself as a man I learned so much about myself as a business person and I learned a ton about business and how to navigate the business world when things don't go as you plan like how do you still treat people with dignity respect even when things don't go the way you planned them so That was probably one of the most, again, it accelerated my growth exponentially. So let's go back to the question of side hustles. So as president of the Star Group, we've got 35, 36 employees, several of whom under this roof have side hustles. And for me, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think there's a lot of growth opportunities in that. Not everybody's of the same mindset, however, and I've got colleagues and associates who certainly feel otherwise. Where do you stand on that? I would say I'm on the fence. I think it depends on the type of business. For me, I wouldn't want people focused on more than one thing that worked for me. 
but that's because we're a young business. We're still growing. I think if you're a more established business, then I think that's fine. But I think it's still, it's very difficult if you're doing it right to have, to have two different focuses. So I think you have to have really clear expectations and really clear boundaries with that because I think it's easy to spill over and affect the main gig. But I think it, it overall, it's something that as the economy grows and moves toward a gig economy, more and more people are going to have side gigs. So I think as a established organization, it's one of those things that you have to understand and embrace. But I would say, you know, have really clear goals, really clear boundaries around that. But for me, for Podcast Town, no, if you want to be an entrepreneur, I'll help you in any way possible, but this probably isn't the place. Sure. No, and when you say the E word, entrepreneur, you certainly come to my mind in terms of an individual that fits that bill. And you started talking about this just a minute ago, but I wanted to, to dig deep. You had talked about these side gigs. You talked about owning this minor league basketball team and how that forced you to learn how to fail. How are you able, I guess if I can phrase this correctly, how would you teach others to learn how to fail? Yeah, I would say don't fail like I did because that wasn't a small one. I mean, that was a huge one. You talk about taking a mental toll, a financial toll, a family toll. It was devastating, you know, and I took probably three years to recover from that mentally, psychologically, and my family. I mean, it was rough. So I would say if you're going to fail, fail small and fail fast. Don't fail 50,000 K. <laughs> fail 3,000, 5,000, and then recover from those small failures. You know, a lot of times people pour everything into it and they end up losing everything. So I would say fail fast, fail small, and learn from those mistakes. So you're somebody who obviously has achieved a lot at this young part of your life. What does professional development look like for you, LZ? I mean, how do you continue to grow professionally? Well, you know, I surround myself with other entrepreneurs who are further than I am, right? I belong to organizations that focus on growth, like Idea Collective. I know Pat Miller was on the show, so that's been fantastic. And really, um, listening to podcasts, listening to thought leaders and people who are performing in business in ways that I want to someday perform at, and just really being humble and knowing that I know an iota of the things that are to be known and understanding that I'm going to continue to make mistakes, right? And just understanding and learning that, you know, every step is a step toward the ideal, right? Every day is an opportunity to grow and every day is an opportunity to learn. And the big thing that I've learned is you can learn something from everybody, even from the people who you might think they, they aren't on uh, your level or whatever everybody has a lesson to teach and I'm a sponge. I'm always learning from every single encounter, every single meeting, every single opportunity that I have to, in to interface with people. I'm learning and growing. Who would you say has been the biggest influence on your career up to this point in your life? Biggest influence on my career. Wow. I would say Magic Johnson. And the reason I say that is I've never met him. I'd love to. I'd probably fan out if I did. But just watching how he, he morphed from a basketball player to this multimedia 
entrepreneur, this mogul, is just inspiring to me, despite all the things that happened, you know, whether that was because of his actions or not, right? He took what he had and he made, he built it into what he has now. So when I think about 20 years, 30 years from now, I want to be able to say that I started every single business that came in my crazy mind, every idea, I want to say that I at least tried it. And he's one of those individuals that I look to and, and say, okay, if he could do it, then I can do it. Yeah. One of the things that makes us unique or back to that differentiation theme here on Beyond the Known is for us, it's not just what you do. It's not just how you do it. It's why you do it your background, your story, your passions. So you talked about how you had a side gig with the record label. I know that you wrote your first song at age five. You have multiple albums, singles under your belt. Boy, that is quite impressive for anybody, let alone somebody who's a podcaster by day. Could you talk to us a little bit about where your passion for music has come from and and why that continues to be such an important force in your life right now? Yeah. So I'm a storyteller at heart. That is, in essence, what I do, whether that's through music, whether that's through speaking, or whether that's through podcasting. I'm telling stories. I'm using my voice. I'm using instruments to take people to a place, whether that's in worship or whether that's on a podcast, right, on a journey. So everything I do, what it boils down to, if you said, Elsie, what are you? I am a storyteller that presents its way its way in different forms but in essence i'm a storyteller and i have a passion for helping other people tell stories as well that you do my friend and before we let you go just because we're all about controversy here at beyond the known who would you say is your favorite musician of all time and why i would say michael jackson and i say him because he mastered both the art of his voice and the art of movement and that's like a double whammy. If you can master the, the art of voice and movement, you're captivating. And I think it goes without saying that he was and still is pretty captivating. You know, anytime you can be gone and people are coming to an, a sold out arena to watch your hologram, I, I would say that that's pretty, pretty, pretty powerful. Something for all of us to aspire to at some point, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, That's a good point. All right. Well, Elsie, before I let you go, let's just say somebody's listening to this, somebody's inspired. Yep, today's the day I start a podcast. Yep, today's the day I bring this to my organization. Elsie brought up a lot of good points. If they elect to have a conversation with you, if they elect to bring you and Podcast Town in on this, how do they best get a hold of you and what would you recommend their first step be? I would say email me, mayor at podcasttown.net, or you can call me, 262-278-0535. And take it from me here at Beyond the Known. LZ was one of the greater business decisions that we made as an agency. Beyond the Known, despite all the great stuff that Cheryl and Rachel do, without LZ, this just would not be possible. So, LZ, we really appreciate all that you've done for us at the Star Group, and thank you so much for being a guest on the program. It was wonderful to have you today. No problem. Thank you for having me, Paul. I, I had a great time. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.